Hi, hi, hi. It's time to hit the math grind. Welcome to After Class with Miss Donovan, Algebra 1, Week 5 recap. Here we are going to go over what we did this week and Monday of next week, Week 6, as well as go over the assessment once we have it up. So I guess it's time to get into the topics. So we're going to start off with our Mathematician of the Week. Our Mathematician of the Week this week was Sir Navasa Ramanjan. He was born December 22nd, 1887 in British India. So India wasn't even its own country yet. And he died April 26th in 1922 at the age of 32. Some fun facts about him is he had almost no formal training in mathematics. So he didn't really study it in a school setting. And then he also... Another fun fact about him is that almost everything he claimed in mathematics, everything he theorized, ended up being proven after his death. So even if he couldn't prove it, someone else after he died was able to and be like, well, Ramanujan was right. Some notable contributions he has are in elliptical functions, continued fractions, infinite series, analytical theory of numbers, and even more. What's really interesting about him is he wrote Gottfried H. Hardy a letter about one of his theories, and Hardy brought him to Britain to study uh, under a scholarship from Trinity College of Cambridge. He didn't major in mathematics, but he graduated with a Bachelor of Science degree by research, which is now referred to as a PhD. While he was there, he faced many challenges because he was Indian in a mostly white place like England. So a lot of his classmates, um, his professors, they didn't um, want him to be there. He traveled between England, where he studied, and Europe, where his what or England, where he studied, and India, where his wife was, multiple times throughout his last years of life because she lived there and he was studying there. And he died at age 32 from heptic ambiasis, a complication of an episode episodes of dysentery. So he had that kind of a great life. What's really interesting again about him is that he was able to prove almost everything, almost everything he th- or not he was able to prove, but someone was able to prove almost everything he thought. So that's pretty awesome. Can you imagine being right about everything you say? I can't. Well. That's it for our Mathematician of the Week. Let's get into the topics. It is Wednesday, my dudes. Okay, so on Wednesday, we started our 5-1 notes, which was our target was I can represent relations and functions using tables, diagrams, and graphs. And I can identify relations that are functions. So we started with the book notes where we went over this like little vending machine uh, example. Basically, where it's like if you hit a button, you had to go from like a certain value to another value and figure out what movie would come out of it. So we went through that where we would be like, if we hit A1, what would come out? If we hit C2, what would come out? And then we talked about um, each time we pressed a button, we pressed an input, we received a DVD, which was the output. So then we talked about does the vending machine have an input and an output for each situation where the answer was no because B1, the slot was sold out, so it did not have an output. And then we wrote each combination of inputs um, and outputs as a mapping. So we wrote it input, arrow, output. That's what a mapping is. A mapping is a visual representation of a relation in which an arrow associates each input with its output. And then we went and created a table. Um, and then some ordered pairs. So again, an ordered pair shows a relationship between the two elements written in a specific order using parentheses. Um, it's using parentheses notation and a comma sever- separating the two values. And then the relation, which we were talking about, a relation is information that can be represented by a set of ordered pairs. So again, our ordered pairs are usually x, comma, y when we are talking about numbers or functions. So when we are talking about relations, there are many ways we can represent them. We represent them as ordered pairs. We put them in a table, we map them, or we graph them. 
And that's kind of what we were focusing on today is how we can represent ordered pairs and mappings in these things. Uh, relations in these different types of things and how we're going to be able to recognize um, if it is a uh, function based on if it's in a relation or uh, if it's in an ordered pair, a graph, a mapping, or just a table. So that's kind of it for what we did. It was a lot of stuff, but it was mostly just going over how we represent functions. So now let's go on to Thursday. Okay, just remember Thursday. Thursday. Can you remember Thursday? Yeah, so Tuesday? <laughs> Thursday. Look, if you need help remembering, just think of it like this. The third day, all right? Monday, one day. Tuesday, two day. Wednesday, when, huh? What day? Thursday. The third day, okay? Okay, it's time to go over what we did Thursday, which was 5-2 day 1. Our, target were, our targets were I can describe the domain and range of a function and find the input and output pairs for a function. So first we kind of talked about what was a function. Remember, a function is um, a relation with where each input only has one output. So there can be multiple of the same outputs, but each individual input can only have one single input. Then we went into domain and range. So domain is the set of all inputs for the function and range is the set of all outputs for the function. So kind of in our xy coordinate plane, our Cartesian plane, the domain is the x values and the range is the y values. We went through um, a bunch of examples of relations. They were written in table form. They were written in mapping form. They were graph. They were written as... Um, ordered pairs, and we were listing all the domains and the ranges. So remember when we were listing them, we do the little squiggly bracket, list them from um, numerical order, so from least to greatest, and end the squiggly bracket, and we separate them by commas. So again, domain is the input or the x values, the independent values, and range is the output or the y values, the dependent values. So then we went through an example where it was like considering a machine that exchanged quarters for dollar bills. Inserting one dollar bill returns four quarters. You may insert up to five one dollar bills at a time. We were asked a bunch of questions on whether or not certain things were inputs or outputs or part of the domain and range from these from the specific example. So again, we were able to list all the domains since we could only put in whole dollar bills. It was zero through five. We could list all the ranges since we could only put zero through five in. We had to figure out how many quarters we could get. And then we were asked if certain, like, if we could insert seven dollars. Is seven a domain, a part of the domain? Is like uh, two quarters part of the range and things like that? So when you're looking at domain and range, remember it is important to think about whether or not something is part of it um, and how, how you know it's part of the domain or it's part of the range. Or how do you know it's not? Then we kind of talked about infinite and uh, infinite a series or infinite and finite ordered pairs. So each function that you've seen has a finite number of ordered pairs. That's what we looked at. And then there are functions that have infinite number of ordered pairs. So remember, a finite set has a fixed countable number of elements, and an infinite set has an unlimited number of elements. So we wanted to know how how we could kind of like describe how we could write the domain and range for infinite. Um, for infinite sets, for infinite relations, for infinite functions. So kind of a domain and range would be like, say we had a um, linear equation. We didn't, we needed to know what the domain and the range were. We could list it as all real numbers. So basically you could input any X value and get out any Y value. So again, the domain can either be, or the range could be all real numbers, which you could write with that fancy little R or write all real numbers, depending on 
how you decide to do it. It could be if there's a maximum or a minimum. It could be if it starts the next value or ends at the next value. There could be a totally crazy different amount of domain and ranges. So from there, we just did a bunch of examples. We plugged it in. Um, we plugged in X values for Y values into different functions and wrote the domain and range that we got there in tables. So that's basically kind of what we did for day one. We did have a day two, which we added on Friday. So keep listening to hear on to hear more about that. It's Friday, Friday, gotta get down Friday. Okay, it's time to get into Thursday, which was five two day two. I can describe the domain and range of a function and find the input and output pairs of a function. So today we really talked about two things. We talked about continuous domain and range and vertical the vertical line tests. So first, we talked again about what, how we identify a relation as a function. So a relation is a function if every input has an output. You were asked if certain things were yes or no, and we had to say why. It's either because it had, every input only has one output or because an out, or one input has two outputs, which makes it not a function. So there was another way to tell if a relation is a, is a, is a function. So when we look at the graph, we can use something called the vertical line test. The vertical line test is if you draw a straight vertical line anywhere on the graph of the relation, it only intersects the relation at one point. That means it passes the vertical line test. If it, if it passes, if it, if that line passes the relation through two points, it does not pass the vertical line test. So we went through some examples where we drew straight lines and showed like what a function that would fail the vertical line test is, or what a function that would pass the vertical line test looked like. And that's kind of all we did. Then we talked about discrete and continuous domain and range. So continuous, a set of data is continuous if the values belong to the set of data can take any value within a, a finite or an infinite number. So examples were like height, uh, time, temperature, speed, because we could have decimals. So again, continuous re requires uh, so, like, again, when I say it's in a graph, a continuous function, the points are connected with a continuous line showing that every point has um, meaning to the original problem. So this is kind of where the domain of all real numbers and the range of all real numbers comes in. So the domain would be a set value of inputs consisting of all the numbers on the interval, and the range would be a set value of outputs consisting of all the numbers on the interval. And then we also had the uh, discrete, which was kind of what we had been working with. So a set of data is said to be discrete if the values belong to the set of um, to the set are distinct and separate. So they are unconnected values. So they're integers. So again, these are full things. So it's like the number of people because you can't have half a person. The number of TV sets. You, I mean, you could have half a TV, but it'd be broken. Uh, the puppies in a litter. Again, these are full numbers. So basically here in the graph of a discrete function, they are only separate distinct points and they are plotted um, and there are only these points have meaning to the original problem. So it's only the points specifically plotted. They're not, there's no line connecting them. It's just the points. And the domain would be the set of all input values consisting of only the certain numbers in the interval. And the range would be the set of input value or the output values consisting of only the certain numbers in the interval. After that, we went through a couple examples where basically uh, we had some lines, we had some functions that we were seeing, some graphs, and we had to decide if it was discrete, continuous, um, and what the domain and the range were. So that is kind of how we did 5-2 uh, day 2. If you have any questions, let me know um, because that one was kind of a little more confusing. But again, um, all you need to know is the domain and range really from that one. Monday, Monday, Monday. Monday, Monday, Monday. 
So now we are talking about 5-3, which we did on Monday. The target was I can evaluate a function for specific values of the domain. And we actually did this one live. So this is the first one we did live, which is kind of crazy and super, super exciting. Okay, so it was started on page 76 of your book. Um, so what basically we were talking about how we refer to functions, we usually say y equals. Uh, we decided to talk about function notation today. So there was an f and then there was an in parentheses next to it x and that reads f of x. So f of x is equivalent to y. So basically if you have y equals 9 minus 4x, f of x equals 9 minus 4x is the same thing. f is the name of the function, x is the variable, the input value for that function. So basically, we just then talked about how we made y equals things into f of x, which is basically, again, we just wrote f of x equals instead of y equals. So it's important to recognize that f of x does not mean f multiplied by x. Again, that is just the variable or like the uh, thing we use in place of y. Again, it does not mean multiplied at all. So we want to notice that f of x equals y for the domain values and the associated range values is f of x. So again, f of x is the same thing as y. Just kind of a fancier way to write it out. That's called function notation, and it's useful for evaluating functions with multiple input values. So again, if we had f of x equals 9x minus 4, for x, we would just substitute 2. So we'd have f of 2 equals 9 minus 4 times 2. If we simplified that, we'd have 9 minus 8. So we'd get f of 2 equals 1. So it just kind of is easier for us to place things. It gives us the domain value and the range value. So when we have f of 2 equals 1, I know the domain value is the 2 and the range value is the 1. So that's kind of just an easier way to be able to see it. So then we were using the values for, f, for x and f of s f of x from the item and basically we're displaying only those values again as a list of ordered pairs a table a mapping um, and a graph so again nothing too crazy uh, we were given the function above to show what value would then equal if f of x equaled one what value of x would we have and then we were asked to um again evaluate each function for certain x values and that's kind of basically it so f of x is kind of just a really fancy way of saying why it's nothing too different it should be basically very similar to what you've seen before uh, i know it can be confusing just because it's something new but let me know if you need any help okay okay now we're on to the portion of the episode i know you are all waiting for the assessment review so basically we have a few sections on our assessment i'm going to go through each of them 3-1 is your first one um, again, is graphing inequalities. This is the last time you're seeing this, so hopefully you know how to do this. Um, greater than or less than is an open circle. Less than or equal to or greater than or equal to. Closed circle. Graph it on the graph. 3-2 is you can solve multi-step inequalities, so make sure you're solving them like you would solve it with an equal sign, but it has to have x and then the inequality sign to whatever it is. And then the second question is going to say like x is less than or equal to or greater than or something, number, and you have to write it down. Then you're going to solve compound inequalities, so you're going to have one and question and one or question, so make sure you know how to graph those, and the graph should be connecting or the graph should be going in opposite directions. 4-1 is an absolute value equation, so you're going to have two absolute value equations. Um, you need to answer them. You're going to have two answers for both, so make sure you have that. 
5 dash 1 is the first time we're seeing this, so you're going to be able to write the relation. Um, you're going to be given a relation. Uh, you need to write it as a mapping. You're going to give, be given a graph. You need to write it as a table. And then you need to let us know, let me know whether or not something is a function, why or why not. It could be because it passes the vertical line test or because... Um, it has no repeating x values or if it has or no repeating no each input has an individual output no input has multiple outputs if it has multiple outputs it's not going to be um again a function 5-2 is going to be um you're going to be given you need to list the domain and range you're going to be given like a table or a coordinate point or a mapping or graph list the domain and range and 5-3 you need to write something in function notation, evaluate the function, and then consider the sequence and figure out what the certain numbers of the function are. And that's all you're going to be doing. So if you have any questions, that is our quick assessment overview, but you guys will rock it. So this is it for after pod after class podcast week five algebra one overview. You have an assessment tomorrow and reminder I have office hours from two ten to three o'clock every single day. So if you have any questions, definitely come there or shoot me an email. Um, I guess that's it for this week. So I will see you in class. <laughs>